0: Hey there welcome to another edition of livewire i'm luke burbank this week on the show we are going to go outside the lines a little bit first up with writer lydia Yuknevich, her ted talk the beauty of being a misfit has over three million views and she says her latest book of short stories which is titled verge is a series of devotionals to the outcasts among us then we have got comedy that is kind of hard to describe It's from Atsuko Okatsuka. She's going to tell us about her fear of teenagers and her love of random dogs that she meets on the street. Then we're going to wrap it all up with some garage blues, New Orleans by way of Seattle music. They call it Cornbread Meets Cobain from The Black Tones. So get ready. We're going to get a little bit wild this week. I mean, wild by public radio standards. So stick around. It all gets started right after this. I'm trying. Boy, has it ever been a warm, warm summer in the Pacific Northwest. How are you doing? And more importantly, how are your cats doing? How are they getting through it?
1: We have air conditioning in like one part of the house and they just recently discovered mm-hmm. where the vent is. And now they all of a sudden they really like each other. They sit really close to each other in the fall of the cold air from that vent.
0: <laughs> I think I saw a picture of this on yeah. Instagram and it looked like you and your <laughs> husband were actually not getting full access no, to the we AC. Don't, no, don't. Because the cats had kind of taken control of it.
1: Yeah, there's like one really like shooter vent. Uh We don't feel any of that cold air. It it just filtered into their fur and that's it. But anything for the babies.
0: And I know that you're in like one of the non air conditioned rooms in your house so that we can record this edition of (laughs) LiveWire. So we probably better get to it before you pass out. You ready to do it? Yeah. All right, Molly, are we recording?
1: We're rolling.
0: All right, take it away, Elena.
1: From PRX, it's LiveWire! This week, writer Lydia Yuknovich, comedian Atsuko Okatska, and music from the Black Tones. I'm your announcer, Elena Passarello, and now, the host of LiveWire,
0: Lou. Thank you so much, Elena Passarello. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in this week. Hope you're having a nice summer weekend wherever you might be, and you're staying cool. We have a great show in store for you this week. We asked the audience a question. We asked, what is something you've learned about yourself recently? And we're going to get to those responses in just a few minutes. First, though, of course, we've got to kick things off with the best news we heard all week. (music) This, of course, is our little reminder at the top of the show that there is good news happening out there in the world. Elena, what is the best news that you heard all week?
1: This is the one that made me laugh the most. I don't know if it's the best. (laughs) So uh, there is an employee of an undisclosed uh, business named Jackie, who when the pandemic started and she realized that she was going to be working virtually and going to a lot of Zoom meetings, she... Thought it would be funny to wear the same Hawaiian shirt a couple days in a row and make her colleagues laugh. On April 2nd of 2020, she started repeat wearing the shirt. No response. Uh, Started no (laughs) conversations. No one said anything. So she just kept doing it. And this is
0: not like a... Kind of very this is not like a um, subtle shirt. This is a Hawaiian shirt that yes. she's wearing for these work zooms.
1: Yes, and it doesn't, it doesn't look like it, it's like super f- fits her. Like it, it definitely <laughs> looks like a costume. Um but nobody noticed, and so she just kept on wearing it. It became kind of an inside joke for her alone, like the most inside of jokes. And she <laughs> kept wearing it, and she kept wearing it, and her last day of work at this job was uh, last month in June. And by 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 then, she had worn her Hawaiian shirt to 264 remote meetings, and she said, uh, hey, guys, have you ever noticed that I've been wearing the same shirt for, like, well over a year? Not only did they say that they had never even noticed, the intern gave her a little bit of shade. She was like, wait, you wore the same shirt on purpose?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, accidentally. I went to my closet (laughs) 200-plus days in a row, and I grabbed a shirt at random, and each day it was the same shirt. Wow.
1: She did say it gave her some pleasure, though. You know, those kinds of repeated jokes that like stop yes. being funny and then they start being funny again. She said that mm-hmm. sort of happened to her for her little audience of one. And then she got on Inside Edition and she posted a TikTok of herself going, Why was I on TV for this? And of course, she's wearing the Hawaiian shirt.
0: (laughs) Right. So it went from being a a private joke with herself to now a very public joke because it's making it on the national television.
1: Yeah, which is its own joke that that would be something that would be televised, according to her.
0: (laughs) It's also a really good reminder for people like me that tend to be on the insecure side that no one is paying as much attention to me Mm -mm. as I am.
1: Do you think it would be different in person?
0: I mean, maybe a little bit. I do think we tend to zone out with all these video calls that we're still on, even Mm -hmm. into the summer of 2021. I just think it proves the fact that we're not monitoring each other as closely as as we might think. So we should all just relax and not feel too insecure because basically no one's noticing. Whatever it is we're (laughs) doing, probably. (laughs) Okay, your story was about somebody who was wearing the same shirt every day. My best news story is about two people that were wearing no shirts and, in fact, no clothing Ah! and had to be rescued by helicopter in New South Wales, Australia. (laughs) Okay, so in New South Wales right now, they are unfortunately back in another stay-at-home order because they've been dealing with the Delta variant, and they're taking it very seriously. And the other day, there was an emergency call that came out of a, a national park there, uh, where two men had gotten lost in the bush, as they call it in Australia. They had been sunbathing nude. Oh, no. And then they were terrified by a deer.
1: Oh, what? That had
0: surprised them. They had run away from the deer, and they'd run in different directions and both gotten lost. They found one of the guys, no clothing on only a backpack. <laughs> they rescued him by way of helicopter, and they found the other guy wearing what they described later as partial clothing.
1: Hmm. They decided, hey, let's go into the middle of nowhere and take our clothes off and sunbathe. But yes. But I feel like there should be – there are more opportunities to nude sunbathe in Australia. You don't have to go all the way out to where, like, you cannot be helped – by the Coast Who knows? or something.
0: Maybe they maybe they were worried about violating the stay-at-home order because the rule is oh, you're really right. supposed to be home unless it's totally essential. Does nude ah. sunbathing make the list? <laughs> this is something that they're talking about currently in the Australian media, Elena.
1: I'm also confused as to why they would be afraid by a deer unless it was...
0: That part is weird.
1: I hope maybe it was a crocodile done deer. <laughs>
0: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) They each got fined $1,000, though. Whoa! For for violating the stay-at-home order, and Elena really gives a whole new meaning to the term buck naked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's better than Crocodile (laughs) Dundee.
0: And the fact that I was able to work that terrible wordplay into the show is the best news that I heard all week, Elena. All right, let's invite our first guest over. If We're going to be talking about kind of going outside the lines on the show this week. Lydia Yuknevich is a really great person to start that conversation with. Uh, her TED Talk, The Beauty of Being a Misfit, has over 3 million views, and her memoir, The Chronology of Water, was a finalist for a Penn Award. Uh, her latest work is a collection of stories. It's titled Verge, and she says it's a series of devotionals to the outcasts among us. Uh, We talked to Lydia back in February of 2020 at the Alberta Rose Theatre in Portland. Take a listen to this. Lydia, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Um, How would you describe the various characters in this new book of yours, Verge? Well, they're often people who
3: have peopled my life, uh, who live in liminal spaces or kind of in between existences or difficult uh, spaces of economy or body or soul. And I... I guess I just want to be one of the people on the planet who's uh, making the argument that those characters can be literature too, with a capital L. And that difficulty and even brutalities and violences and the things we kind of cringe to look at contain real people (laughs) who, um, you know, also experience moments of grace and beauty. And tiny instances of hope so the characters aren't
0: quite right would be a fast way to say it but it would seem that that's not necessarily their fault no the circumstances that they're put under are extremely trying but the people are people
3: right and they're sort of tied to their material conditions and I really wanted to just write a series of tiny devotionals to these people that other people pretend don't exist or are a little grossed out by.
0: Did you have a particular moment when the idea for the book came to you? Is there one of the stories, because these are all discrete stories in the book, was there something that you observed or experienced and you thought I should write about this and then you realized this could be a whole book?
3: I think the ideas cross the entire time I've been a writer and all the people I've known and um, all the experiences I've had and all the mistakes I've made in my personal life that are in my nonfiction, <laughs> uh, and so it's you could say I've spent my life developing or earning the right to give the pages these voices and bodies and stories without you know uh, undue laziness. You know, I think I've earned the right. To give these characters their moment Mm -hmm. and um, some people will like it some people won't but I promise you these are the people sitting right next to you in your life living right next to you on your block and um, I'm just wanting the tiny possibility that we could pause inside the length of time of a story say Mm -hmm. to not look away and to ask yourself where is it in me
0: Is, I mean, this, the stories come from really all over the world in this book, but is there something Portlandy about it too? Like, did your experiences living in the city of Portland inspire any of this? Some of it, a few of the
3: stories are very close to my life experience in the Northwest and the neighborhoods I've lived in. And uh, sometimes the alleys I've lived in and sometimes underneath the overpasses. I've lived <laughs> here, and so uh, the Portlandness comes from the ways in which I have been in liminal spaces and had experiences that didn't
0: quite fit the mainstream storyline of how to be in life. Uh, this is Live Wire Radio. We're talking to Lydia Yuknovich. Her latest book is Verge. Uh, I-, I didn't notice too many direct statements about politics, but is the political climate also something that was in your mind and on your mind when you were writing this? Only in terms of rage. (laughs) (laughs) So that would be a
3: yes. Yeah. Then the rage I had broiling from the times we're in, uh, I tried to bring down to the small souls of individual characters who have to really live the suffering uh, to remind us that our suffering on, say, Facebook isn't the suffering.
4: Mm.
3: Or, you know, how mad we get when we watch TV and it doesn't go how we want it to. That's not the suffering. Right? I mean, I'm making fun of all of us, and I'm reminding us that, you know, storytelling... is a a sort of outlet for rage Mm -hmm. that is quite a bit more positive than the um, current squabbling where we try to poke each other in the eye all the time. Storytelling can heal, it can bridge differences, it can open up realms between people who ordinarily wouldn't look at each other. Um, So it's like a real energy in the world that is a place to put rage and I know I'm not the only person in the room who has used rage to uh, move away from my own you know, difficulties, to get out of my father's house, for example, or to get away from difficulties or violence coming at me. Rage can be productive and generative, especially women's rage,
1: there I said it. <laughs> yeah. This is a collection of short stories, but you're very known for writing novels and memoirs and sort of book length feats but i bet the short form is really fun for rage like punk rock you know like the shorter the song the harder you can go and you can just get out of there do you think that the rage is one of the reasons that you picked this form that you did knowing that you could write in so many other forms i hadn't thought about it that way but now that
3: you're saying it it feels correct what you're saying like safety pins and punk rock yeah (laughs) these are your ramones your two minute hate right like yeah but the other places the stories come from um are like tenderness and desire and lust and love and fear and beauty and uh, the mode of the short story in this particular book. I'm trying to find a different way of storytelling, to be honest with you, and I moved away from the tradition of short story writing to write um, characters with plots that don't resolve Mm -hmm. on purpose
0: and to leave them in their state of being. This is Live Wire from PRX. I am Luke Burbank. Right over there in Corvallis is Elena Passarello. Uh, we are talking to writer Lydia Yuknovich. Her latest book is Verge. We're going to get back into that conversation in just a minute. First, though, a short break. Don't go anywhere because we will be right back.
2: weddings, birthdays, and reunions. Oh my, there's so much going on. Get the most out of your spring plans by stocking up on pre-alcohol now. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night. Drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Go to zbiotics.com/livewire to get 15% off your first order when you use LiveWire at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money-back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/live. LiveWire, and use the code LiveWire at checkout for 15% off. Thank you to ZBiotics for sponsoring this episode and our good times.
0: Welcome back to LiveWire. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. All right, let's jump back into our conversation with Lydia Yuknovich from back in February of 2020. Her latest book is Verge. There's a, a story in this book called Streetwalker, and it's about a woman, a writer, who notices a sex worker in her neighborhood, and at some point uh, decides to pay for an hour of this person's time to just try to kind of give them a place to come be warm and, and be safe. Um, and the writer in the story sure sounds a lot like Lydia Yuknovich, <laughs> Is this something you actually did or imagined doing? Well,
3: (laughs) I would prefer to answer that by saying (laughs) it's a conjuring. Um, It does have close proximity to my life and a certain time in my life. It does have proximity to actual people I have known and it does have proximity to actual actions I have taken. However, it's a piece of fiction, thus a conjuring. So that is the word I would prefer to use. I think what's important about that story, though, isn't so much like, is the writer in the story kind of like me? Uh, I think what's most important or interesting to me about that story is that the, the woman from the outside who is a sex worker... Uh, is a form of writing. She's a writer too. There's something she does in the story toward the end Mm -hmm. that is a kind of writing. And so then the two writers are facing each other. And what I'm meaning to surface there is that there's a schism in all of us. There's us trying to be good in our lives and there's all the stuff we've done that maybe we're not proud of. And those two women are both versions of lives I've lived. And they're both writers. And there's a way in which the streetwalker writer is more honest.
0: Hmm. There's another story in the book called uh, A, A Woman Object. And it's sort of about the pretension of a certain kind of art community, the 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 woman's, I guess, partner. His name is Peter, but he goes by Pater because it sounds more artsy.
3: <laughs> which which a, she hates.
0: Which is a beautiful touch, by the way. Uh, do you run into that in the world of writing, though, as well, in literature? You know, a kind of... <laughs> yeah. Lydia just looked at Elena Passarello, two, talk about two writers uh, identifying experiences in each other. Like, you seem like an unpretentious person to me who sometimes moves through what could be a pretentious world.
3: All the time. All the time. All the time. No, I mean, I'm kind of kidding. There are tears in the literary world like there are tears in the painting art world that that story's based on. And... I just take notes when I'm in the weird realm of, of fancy, pretentious, hierarchical, strange creature. I, I take deep notes so that I can write the next story, <laughs> in which I try to take down or deconstruct the hierarchies at every level possible. And, and probably you've never met any pretentious writers. Oh,
1: no, no, never. No, never um but i know what i will do the next time i i am in a situation where i run into pretentious writers is what the character in that story does she just imagines all of the people that are annoying her as various wildlife creatures uh which is just like i can't wait to play that game and i hope that my face doesn't show it when i'm like drawing like whiskers and a nose on you know
0: insert i hope your face does show it <laughs> <laughs> speaking of um Uh, you know, I guess sort of rarefied air. Your memoir, The Chronology of Water, is being adapted into a film. What's that like for you (laughs) to know that your story is going to now be portrayed by somebody else and told by other people? Completely freakish
3: uh, on the one hand. And For me personally, it's more like there's a beautiful second piece of art happening that's like a little satellite far away from me. And I'm still just me sitting at home in my underwear trying to write while this crazy satellite thing does its thing around me. And so maybe it turns into something and maybe it doesn't, but I'm just me looking at it like, look at that. (laughs) But I love that somebody else wants to make a piece of art because I made a piece of art. That's the piece
0: I care about. Uh, We are talking to Lydia Yuknovich. Her new book is Verge. Uh, Lydia, as you know, as a uh, a pretty regular LiveWire guest, we really try to get to know our guests on a very deep personal basis here on the show. And to that end, we have something on stage with us here. It is uh, a jar with five questions in it. They are the essential questions (laughs) of our time. So no pressure. We call this the jar of truth. (laughs) Here's how this is going to work. We'll ask you to pull a question out of the jar. Elena Passarella will read it, and we would like to get your honest answer. I don't think you know how to answer in any other way, (laughs) as we've learned so far in this conversation. Um, The uh, thing is, though, because you're a writer and you teach writing, these are all questions about writing. So if you would uh, be so kind as to grab a question, and we will begin the jar of truth.
1: Okay. Would you rather have a good writing day or a great eating day? Oh, that's
3: so hard. <laughs> I love These are the food. essential questions I of our time. I love food. I love food. I said it three times. <laughs> Do yes. you believe me? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and yet, I would rather have a great writing day than anything else in life,
0: almost. <laughs> what, what, is, is there any, Lydia, is there any predicting when it will be a good writing day? Or is it really sort of a, a muse that just shows up? When it, when it feels like it.
3: It's probably different for every writer on the planet. For me, it goes in waves. It comes and goes exactly like waves in the ocean. And the best writing days are when I have like a rhythm. So I'll have three to five days where something good is happening. And then, you know, that's like the best thing that could possibly happen to me. Then four years pass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we uh, take another question from the jar? Okay, question number two. Would you be more embarrassed
1: to accidentally flash a stranger or to accidentally show a stranger one of your first drafts?
3: Well, having spent my life flashing strangers... <laughs> that doesn't sound difficult at all and would not embarrass me at all. You're lucky I wore clothes tonight. And I, I used to, when I was first writing, be terrified to show first drafts, but now I'm doing it on the regular because it occurred to me that as I'm working with other people who are vulnerable enough to show me their drafts, they should be able to see mine too, and, and mine are crappy. I don't know about yours, mine are terrible. But uh, releasing that vulnerability and collaborating with other people in that vulnerability has given us all uh, permission to practice better and become better writers. So I'm sort of for it. So neither of those things embarrasses me at all. Both
0: sound great. Well, that's good. Okay, one more question from the jar.
1: Okay. Can any essay that starts by referencing a definition from the dictionary... Turn out okay. <laughs> Webster's dictionary defines courage as, and then the the essay proceeds from there.
3: The only way in which it can turn out okay, and you can save yourself humiliation, is if you lie in the definition.
1: <laughs> oh, that's an amazing prompt. You must invent it and lie. That's you, We should start like a like a global writing challenge where everyone writes that like kind of tired essay trope, but it starts with a false definition, and then you prove the definition to be true over the course of your essay. Hashtag Yuknovich
0: challenge. Got it. (laughs) Lydia Yuknovich, thank you so much for coming on the show. Lydia's new book is Verge. That was Lydia Yuknovich, recorded at the Alberta Rose Theatre back in February of 2020 here on LiveWire. Her latest book is the short story collection, Verge. Special thanks this week to Hannah Davison and Dave Cosgrove of Portland, Oregon, Hannah and Dave are generously supporting LiveWire with a donation each month. They are vital members of the LiveWire member community, and those donations are how we are able to keep doing the show. So a huge thanks this week to Hannah and Dave for supporting the show. This is the LiveWire House Party I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Each week on the show, we like to ask the audience a question. We send that out via our various social media channels. Uh, This week, we asked the audience, what's something that you have learned about yourself recently? Uh, What's the audience telling you, Elena?
1: Here's one from Ellen. I still remember how to make a friendship bracelet. (gasps) I was
0: was like, I, I remember so many afternoons as a kid in the summer, trying to master the friendship Uh. bracelet. I could make, like, a very rudimentary one, but none of those, like, the very elaborate, cool, you know, multiple-layer one.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and you had to have, like, a clipboard to -hmm. attach it to. Remember, like, the cool kids, they had, like, a Lisa Frank Mm -hmm. clipboard, and they could attach it to the little metal handle.
0: By the end of the summer, though, if you had, like, a couple friendship bracelets on... And then they got wet so they shrunk you'd have like <laughs> basically lost all circulation in your hand and at some point your mom would look at you and go you're cutting those things off first of all they're disgusting
1: <laughs> yeah like all your popsicle juice from the popsicle yes. you would hold would just like drip into it and you're <laughs>
0: you. <laughs> I told you this right on the show before how I oh. had a cast on my arm broke my arm playing football and I took the cast off and my parents didn't even notice.
1: No, you did not tell me that.
0: <laughs> That's being one of seven kids. Your parents are like, I feel like someone had a cast, but whatever. I don't see it. Did you take it off now. too early? Yeah. Like you it was sick just of it? it was itching. Oh, I wanted to play in a football game oh and they God. weren't gonna let me. So I I mean this was it had healed, but I took the cast off. And <laughs> it's remarkable to think that it was it went uncommented upon by my parents. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else is the audience saying they're learning about themselves?
1: Here is one from Robin. Robin has learned that Cap'n Crunch serves as both a comfort food and a dessert. Mm, Uh, Absolutely. I've had to make some really tough decisions in the grocery store uh, when it comes to things like breakfast cereal. Because I know that if I let it into the house, Mm -hmm. it will become like a whole thing.
0: It's a poltergeist. If you let it... It's like a vampire. If you let it... In fact, you know, Count Chocula literally is a vampire.
1: Yeah. Or Booberry. Remember Booberry?
0: Who <laughs> can forget? Uh, what else uh, is the live wire audience saying they're learning about themselves?
1: Here's one from Tracy. Tracy has learned, I should not be homeschooling. Uh, and then there's a gritted teeth emoji.
0: <laughs> you're a professor, Elena. I mean, you're dealing with college-age students, but I, I, I feel that this has been eye-opening for maybe the few parents of America who didn't quite realize how incredibly gifted the teachers of America are and and how much we rely on them, wouldn't you say?
1: Oh, yeah. And I think teachers who have to teach their own children at home are (laughs) realizing it in this kind of meta way. (laughs) Right. My friend Bonnie has a 10-year-old, and at one point she was like, you know what, just go outside and make a movie version of Lord of the Flies. (laughs) That was the the education for the day. But it's AV, it's literature, it's creative expression. I mean, I think it tracks.
0: The unfortunate thing is some kid in that neighborhood is getting bullied. If you stick (laughs) strictly to the plot. Could we make a movie of a book where someone doesn't get their glasses shattered? It's like a study of human cruelty towards each other. Um, Okay, we have maybe one of my favorite stand-up comedy performances that we've had on Livewire, maybe ever. Otsko um, Okatsuka was, before the pandemic, regularly hosting this sold-out show at Dynasty Typewriter in L.A. It was called Let's Go Atsuko uh, Unfortunately, like everything else, was sort of put on hold because of COVID-19. The good news, though, she also has a one-hour comedy special that's out on Hulu, which is very much available still, so you can check that out. And also, uh, there's this her live performance from Livewire back in 2020 at the Alberta Rose Theater. Take a listen to this.
5: let's get to it. I will now do comedy. I will do that. Okay. Now that we're here, let me tell you a little bit about me. I, uh, I, get, I get spooked easily. I get spooked real easily. Yeah. And uh, people think I'm cool. You know? Uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, people think I'm cool. Oh, she's so chill. You know? Uh, but uh, let me tell you, I will fall apart if a teenager talks to me no thank you, you know, uh, uh, this is what happened, okay, Uh, recently I hung out with my teenager cousin for the first time, with my husband, and uh, I was already intimidated going into the hang because she's way cooler than I ever was when I was 18, she wears uh, colored contacts, she has numerous boyfriends, and they all know about each other, excuse me, you know. And so I was like, wow, that's so cool. She's so cool, you know. And so going into the hang, I was already like puffing up, you know, trying to be cool, really stiff. I was puffing up. I would take out cigarettes and, and drop them, you know. Uh, any sudden movements, Whoo! I just crumble, you know. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we were just small talking, me, my cousin, and my husband, when suddenly my teenager cousin says the most terrifying thing to me ever. She just looked me straight in the eyes and she goes... Hey, you skate? I was like, excuse me? She was like, you skate? And I was like, what? Do I skate? Oh, I don't know. I just crumbled. You know, I just crumbled. Yeah, yeah. And the words that come out of you, you know, when you're intimidated, it's shocking. You know, you can't stop the words from coming out fast enough. Just like, I vape. Comedy Central. I don't know By Coastal, Do kids say that these days? Fresh produce. You know, it just all came out of me and I I couldn't stop the words from coming out fast enough. And I also watched too as my husband also crumbled. Uh, he was like, "Uh do do we skate? Uh well one time we did buy a skateboard. Uh you 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 mean like Tony Hawk?" And I was like, "Damn." Damn, you know, cuz Tony Hawk is like so 2002, you know? Like it excuse me, we're trying to be cool here, you know, and so before he said anything else, I just stopped, and I was like, uh, yes, uh, like Tony Hawk and other people who came after him. Yes, and so I saved him. I was like, okay, and you stop now, and uh, I looked back at her, and I said, uh, do we skate? Uh, yes, we do. We are skaters now, and I just presented myself to her, and uh, I was like, what just happened? <laughs> what just happened? I just crumbled, you know, but y- y- you know what it is? It's, it's gaslighting. yeah, yeah, what she did was gaslight. Yeah, because how can you look at me, okay? How can you look at me? And my husband, too. He looks like straight out of J. Crew sales rack, okay? How can you look at us? And, and then ask such a question. You skate? That is the most loaded, most terrifying thing you can say to two adults who are already trying so hard. Okay? <laughs> You skate, what what does that even mean? Use your words, you know? I wanted to be like, use your words, girl, you know? What does that mean? The ice skating or skateboarding, you know what I mean? I got so mad thinking about it. I was just like, you know what? You know, it's 2020. Use a, ride a bicycle, okay? Like an adult, you know? I wanted to just... skateboarding, you know, stop messing with my cool, you know, stop, I'm already trying so hard, okay, just regular life is hard for me already, it is, regular life is so hard for me already, you know, people call me out, I say weird things, you know, like the other day, let me tell you, I'll tell you right now, the other day, I touched tongues with a stranger's dog, thank you, listen, listen, this is what happened, I did, yes, I saw a dog being walked by its owner, so I got excited, I bent down to pet it, and uh, uh, the dog started licking my face, just <laughs> And uh, yeah, I started to talk, so I opened my mouth. so boom, contact, you know. <laughs> tongue to tongue. And uh, uh, let me tell you, I let it give me a few more, you know? Uh, <laughs> because life is hard. Because life is hard, and I was like, I'm going to get love wherever I can. (laughs) Right here will do, you know? And so it was me and this dog, tongue to tongue. And uh, let me tell you, the owner, the owner of the dog, she hated it. She did not (laughs) like it at all. Uh, She gave an audible. She was like, ew! are you kidding me? And for some reason, in that moment, I woke up, and in that moment of fear, the only thing that came out of my mouth back to her, the only thing I said, I don't know why, I just said, oh, don't worry, I'm married, (laughs) and she really didn't like that, you know, uh, yeah, but that's just me. Weird words come out of my mouth, you know? And I don't do well, you know, when, with embarrassment, with shame. Anytime I feel it, anytime someone calls me out, I go for the jugular. Anytime someone's like, Atsuko, why'd you say that? Atsuko, why'd you do that? I'm always like, well, you know, I never wanted to be here anyway. <laughs> I give up right on you, you know? Atsuko, why'd you do that? Atsuko, why'd you say that? You don't skate. I'm always like, well, you know. None of us had a choice, (laughs) did we? (laughs) And I'm a firm believer in that statement. I truly am a firm believer in that statement. Yeah, like life, like all of us, okay? Like being birthed is the ultimate, I thought you'd like this (laughs) situation that we were all pushed into okay none of us had a say okay none of us had a say we all come out crying is what I'm saying you know why because it's all terrifying okay our mothers had the brilliant idea oh here's a surprise here's a surprise gift you live here now you live here now open your eyes we come out crying our first breath hurts as babies we're just like <laughs> cut to an adult girl man in the same room sneezing 30 times in a row just achoo, achoo! achoo! you're like oh my god what's that that's your father <laughs> that is your father he cannot get it together okay life is freaking scary all right is what i'm saying so i'm sorry i made out with your dog I never wanted to be here anyway. I'm trying so hard. Trying so hard. Every day is chaos. You put on the news. I'm starting to think the second coming is near. You know, yeah, I am. I'm starting. It's, yeah, it's Jesus coming back. They keep talking about it. Or am I dreaming? You know, it's been 2000 years. Like how long? if someone told you they were coming back. I'm serious. I'm serious. How long would you wait? How long would you wait? Until you deem them missing, you know? I, I don't, call, look, call me impatient, you know? But I say this out of concern, you know? Like, maybe Jesus has been back but he's not okay, you know? Maybe we should go looking for him. They already got him once, you know? And uh, they got got him pretty hard, too, yeah. Kind of why he left, you know? Um, No, honestly, thank you so much for being cool about that joke. Um, Yeah, no, because... I did that joke at a college recently, and after the show, a woman came up to me and said, she was really offended by my Jesus joke." Yeah, she was like, really offended, And I totally get it, you know? It's too soon. I'm an Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: That was Otzko, Okatska from back in February of 2020 at the Alberta Rose Theater. There's so many things, Elena, that I miss about uh, the sort of a normal version of our lives together, but being on stage and watching the audience be both cracked up and also mystified by Otsko <laughs> <laughs> Those are the kind of moments that I miss about doing these shows remotely, but luckily we're gonna be getting back to doing live shows this fall, so that's gonna uh, be really fun.
1: Oh, I can't wait. Yes!
0: Yeah, I'll see you there. Um, All right. This is LiveWire. We've got to go to a quick break, but we'll be back in just a minute with some music from the Black Tones. So stay with us. LiveWire is thrilled to be partnering with Portland's own Portal Tea this season, formerly known as Tea Chai Tay. Portal Tea is the premier tea company in the Pacific Northwest. They make one-of-a-kind Handcrafted tea blends like cinnamon churro chai and blueberry cream Earl Grey. Use the code LiveWire, all lowercase, for 20% off at portaltea.co. Welcome back to LiveWire. I'm your host, Luke Burbank, here with Elena Passarello. All right, let's hear some music. Uh, You could say that our musical guests this week are sort of a mixture of Kurt Cobain and Cornbread. You could say that because that's literally the uh, title of their debut album. It's called Cobain and Cornbread. It is the first offering from Eva and Cedric Walker. So they grew up in Seattle, but they've got this really strong New Orleans connection through their family, which is the cornbread part of that. Uh, They were on Livewire back in February of 2020 and played us a really amazing song. So take a listen to this. It's the Black Tones on Livewire. Let me ask you, Eva, what was the musical scene in your house with with you and Cedric growing up? Like, what was the vibe?
6: Well, we're born in Seattle. Uh, us and our other two siblings, our family's from Louisiana. So they kind of brought all that love of music with them in Seattle when my grandpa got hired at Boeing in 68. And uh, there was a lot of records being played. And the music you're going to hear is just rock and roll. But our influences range from Herb Alpert to Dave Brubeck to Kraftwerk to Bone thugs and harmony We listen to oh, everything. Man. <laughs> Dolly Parton, everything.
0: Between you and your brother, were you guys collaborating as kids, playing instruments? Like, who had the idea to make this into a band?
6: Uh, he wanted to learn drums when he saw me perform at Folk Life in Seattle. Really? Yeah, he didn't know I could sing and play guitar. And
0: did you so, guys grow up in the same house?
6: Yes, we did. He had no <laughs> idea
0: you could sing or play guitar?
6: Yeah. To be fair, I didn't show anyone. I was too scared. Really? It's scary to sing in front of people that will be honest with you. Um, and uh, he saw it and was like, whoa, she could do that. So he was like, hey, I want to learn drums. And I was like, OK, because I'm a drummer, too. I was like, I'll teach you drums. So I get how you
0: guys talk at home. That's yeah, pretty so weird. Yes, that's how
6: we talk. Is that, that's how we, this Cedric's is not an exaggeration. Nodding. This is an exact, yeah. uh, this is how it went. Yeah. So I was like, OK, I'll teach you drums. So we did the summer of drum lessons. And then we started the Black Tones.
0: OK, but this is a sibling relationship as well. Uh, Do you guys have disagreements about the music or how a song should go? No, I'm very happy. That's That was Cedric yelling from behind the drum kit for the radio (laughs) listeners. Cedric, blink twice if she has you trapped in the band.
4: (laughs) But seriously, but seriously,
0: like. How, how, how do you guys kind of, how do you guys negotiate out this stuff and also separate the family aspect of it from the band aspect you of
6: know, it? You know, to be honest with you, and he's so happy, to be honest with you, um, I don't think I could do this music thing, like the, the traveling, the waking up early. I don't think I could do this with someone I'm not related to, actually. Uh-huh. So it makes it easier because we can disagree or be kind of mad at each other. But whatever, we've been doing that since we were womb mates because we're twins. And, oh! Uh,
0: I don't think I realized that part of it. Yeah,
6: I've been right since we've been in the womb, so. uh,
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay.
6: So, uh, it's just, it works out just fine.
0: I think think Cedric's rim shot really said it all. Um, What song are we going to hear?
6: I hate spiders, but I love the blues. So I wrote a blues song about a spider trying to kill me. Okay. It's called Mama, There's a Spider in My Room.
0: This is the Black Tones right here on Livewire. Yeah, they That was The Black Tones, recorded back in February of 2020 at the Alberta Rose Theater. Their album is Cobain and Cornbread. All right, before we get out of here, a little preview of next week's show. We're going to be talking to one of our all-time favorite and probably maybe most frequent guest, Elena, at least during your and my time working on the show, Hanif Abdul-Rakib is going to stop by. Like about every other show, we uh, are somehow able to get Hanif on the program. Uh, We're going to have him on to talk about his very intense and super wide-ranging musical appreciation, Mm -hmm. uh, which is always something to behold. Uh, Then Eula Biss is going to stop by to talk about her book, Having and Being Had. It sort of explores the idea of home ownership, but then it gets into white privilege and gentrification and... Being middle class in America and what that looks like, depending on what your race might be. Uh, Then we have music from alt country darling Lydia Loveless. So do make sure you tune in for that. All right, that is going to do it for this week's edition of LiveWire. A huge thanks to our guests, Lydia Yuknovich, Otsuko Okatsuka, and the Black Tones. LiveWire is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines.
1: Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Heather D. Michelle is our executive director. Tim Harkins is our production director. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. Our assistant editor is Trey Hester. And Jennifer Vo is our social media manager. Our music is composed by A. Walker Spring. And Molly Pettit is our technical director. Our house sound is by D. Neal Blake, and this episode was mixed by Corey Shreppel and Molly Pettit. Thanks so much, as always, to Carlson
0: Audio. Additional funding provided by the Oregon Arts Commission, a state agency funded by the state of Oregon, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Livewire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. Our show is made possible by the generous support of our members. This week, we'd like to thank Hannah Davidson and Dave Cosgrove of Portland, Oregon, For more information about our show or how you can catch our podcast, mosey on over to LiveWireRadio.org. I'm Luke Burbank for Elena Passarello and the whole LiveWire crew. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Dear LiveWire, when we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with, with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many... Many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait. Actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review. Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of LiveWire read on the program itself. Uh, Reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time because we love having this job. Uh, Thank you so much. If you've left a review and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast.